Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, Episode 6. I'm Tyler, and I'm a little bit sick, and I'm here with Matt. Tyler, great to be with you today. You're fresh off, um, what, a week at camp? And yeah, I'm back home now. Yeah. We're in person again. In, in person. It's great to, to see you. Um, got a, a question for you about camp life. You forgot to start our 30-minute uh, timer. Oh, thank you. Uh, is it tough to be uh, in the Word when you're up there at camp? What does what your private devotional time look like when you're up at camp? Well, yeah, you didn't uh, warn me about this question. No, um, I mean, I feel like my, I do the same thing at camp that I do at home. Like, I mean, I read right away when I wake up in the morning. So I just wake up, roll over, read my Bible. I just do that at camp too. Because I read on my phone too, oh, yeah. typically. Okay. So good. Where, where are you reading this week? Uh, I am in, well, I'm in Paul's letters. So I'm, I'm reading Colossians today and tomorrow. I read Ephesians the last couple days. So, yeah, I'm almost done with my Bible project read through. I don't know if I've talked about that on here. I'm doing a, a read through that's put out by the Bible project guys. Um, and it, I like it because it is mostly like just reading the Bible straight through, but there are parts of it that they do a little bit differently. Like, so, so the Bible project guys, their whole thing is like, they want to understand the Bible, like as it was written as like understand it based on like what the people who were writing it were trying to communicate to who they were writing to. So they make a few changes in it. Like they, they have you read the whole story of Israel. So like basically Genesis through second Kings. Um, and then they have you read the, like the prophecy books that come before the exile, during the exile, after the exile. And then at the very end, they have you read first and second Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Because First Second Chronicles was very likely the last mm-hmm. couple of books written in the Old Testament because it was like a, a, it was like a summary by people who were living four years before Jesus, looking back mm. at Israel's history. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so, and and then they also have you reading one Psalm every day, so you read through Psalms two and a half times over the course of the year, and then uh, they also have you watching a video if they have a video that's relevant to what you're reading about. Mm-hmm. So like today. Mm-hmm. I started Colossians, so I watched their Colossians like overview video. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for indulging me, me there and uh, walking us down that road of what it looked like to try to read your Bible at camp. Um, the reason I asked you is because I, I just preached a sermon this last week where the emphasis was on uh, being active in the Word, mm. being in the Scriptures on a regular basis um, as one part of living a life of purity. We're going through a series on purity right now, especially sexual purity. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. And uh, so I was just talking Sunday about being in the Word and um, some of the goals we can have when we read in the Word. And, uh, you know, I know that you agree with that, that you've modeled that well. But have you ever had times in your life where you just have not, you know, enjoyed reading the bible are there any days when you wake up and it's more of a chore than a joy and, uh, um, how do you I mean, handle that yeah honestly i think that's true a lot like when i wake up and it's like 6 30 in the morning i'm like oh i gotta read my bible but i'm not always like oh i'm so excited now i'm yeah. suddenly awake because i get to read god's word yeah. um and i think about that sometimes if i should like read the <clears throat> read it at a different time of day or what i don't know i this actually you're reminding me of a diva that i preached last week at camp um 
So on Wednesday night, they have a staff chapel. Um, and I, the topic of my Devo was how to, I forget what it was called, but it was like how to do good stuff even when you aren't feeling it. Mm. Um, and I specifically focused on like praying and reading your Bible because those are like the two most common mm. spiritual disciplines that people always talk about. Right. And I was talking about how like, we actually did not plan to have this conversation, fun fact listeners. Um, like he, this was not even a leading question. He didn't know I, I taught this Devo at camp. Um, but the Devo I taught was about how, so at, like for them, like at camp, like usually you're pretty on fire. Usually it's pretty easy for you to like do the good Christian stuff because you're really feeling it. Like you're, you're in a great, like you're in a good place spiritually. Um, but what do you do on like in like November, you know, when you're like, in the midst of the school year, you're still a month from Christmas. Like there's nothing really exciting to look forward to. And you just are like, eh, I just don't want to read it. Yeah. Because what I sometimes did growing up and even now every once in a while, I'm like, well, I don't want to read because I don't want it to just be going through the motions. Like I don't want to just check a box. Right. Um, but the point that I was making was like, I totally agree. Like reading because you're really into it and on fire for God is way better than reading because of checking a box. But I also think that reading is better than not reading, you know, or praying is better than not praying. Right. So on the days when I read and I'm like, eh, not really excited, not really feeling it. Like, I still think it's very important for me to read because our, our brains are just wired for consistency. You know, mm-hmm. like if you, if you take a couple of days off or a week off, because you're just not really feeling it's same with working out. If you take a, like a week off of working out or reading right. or praying, because you just aren't really feeling it, that doesn't usually lead to you like working out super hard the next week or praying or reading your Bible super hard. Then it just leads to you not doing those things a lot of times. Yeah. So yeah, I try to I try to read regardless of how I feel when I wake up in the morning because I think it's good for me to remain consistent. Yeah. So I know that uh, coming up this fall, you are taking your high school Sunday morning class through a new study on the spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, is like being in the scripture and prayer. Is that one of the segments that you guys are going to cover? Yeah, they're the two biggest actually. Um, I think it's like three weeks on on bible and two weeks on prayer uh-huh. and then a week on all the other ones yeah. i mean it's not a fully developed like weekly structure yet but the plan is to spend a lot of time on those two yeah. because those are the i mean they're the two that are most commonly talked about in the bible and they're the two that are a lot of times the most like practical yeah you know? so how do you how do you take a group of high school students or even middle school students and um you know you've been teaching the message of grace uh, the grace of Christ to them, um, how we're saved not on the basis of our works, um, but because of the grace of Jesus that we place our faith in. Um, how do you take that same group of students and say, all right, you need to work really hard on yeah, this Yeah, you need to do this stuff. Yeah, work really hard because that can, that can seem like a contradiction. Yeah, it sounds like you're, it sounds like you're saying you're saved by faith but then you like have to do works right after you get saved so how do you how do you frame that to them in a way that they can understand like oh yeah spiritual disciplines i should um i should put a lot of effort into this i mean i try to frame it the same way that made sense to me in 10th grade when i was talking to my small group leader and i it took me i was like talk because i'm very external in how i process so i was externally processing for like two minutes and i finally when i was in 10th grade i was like wait okay so you are saved by faith you are not saved by works but true faith by the nature of what faith is will always produce works. Like if you truly believe something, you will, you will act according to it. Right. Like if I, if I truly believe that Jesus Christ is my savior, died on a cross for my sins, rose from the dead, Mm -hmm. that will influence how I live. And 
And the way James talks about it, if saying, if you're saying you believe that and it's not influencing how you live, it's reasonable to ask if your faith is true faith. Right. He, people sometimes take James two and say that, I mean, Martin Luther thought that James two was set, was talking about works righteousness. Um, saying, saying that you were saved by the stuff you did instead of by faith. But if you read, if you read what he's saying, like how he's meaning it to meaning it to be like, he's not saying that you're saved by works. He's saying that true faith will produce works. And if you say you have faith, but it's not producing works, it's a fair question. Mm -hmm. Is, is that faith real? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a great explanation. And when I think about that, I also think about, um, the apostle Paul and how he writes that he, um, like he, he buffets his body. Like he, he's harsh on himself. He is so concerned about discipline. Um, he disciplines himself so that after he's preached to others, he himself won't be disqualified. Like right. he's running in such a way as to win the race. He's so, um, enamored with, the beautiful gospel of Jesus, that it is an inspiration in a, it spurs him on to be better. So he's not disqualified from being part of this glorious ministry of the gospel. Like right. He has such a high view of the gospel and of grace that it compels him to live like being so harsh on his own body. Right. And so I think that that's, at least for me, that's a helpful um, piece of writing from Paul, just how he views discipline in the context of his own life. I also want to be very clear because I always have kids in mind. Uh, when I say like, if you say you have faith and you're not doing stuff, it's reasonable to ask your faith, not faith. Like, I don't want anyone to hear that and go, oh, well, maybe I'm not saved then. Maybe I need to like accept Jesus all over again. Like maybe mm -hmm. maybe because I'm not doing enough, I, I am not saved. That right. that right there is, that that is then a, a, a misunderstanding or like a misapplication. Like mm -hmm. if you're having those thoughts, like, well, Maybe I'm not doing enough to be saved. That again, that is not the gospel. That that if if you think that what you're doing saves you, then you're back at works righteousness. Right. Nothing nothing that you do will ever make you more or less saved, but true faith leads you to do stuff. Yeah. So if you if you're sitting there thinking like, man, I really think that I have faith, but I'm not doing stuff. Don't don't hear me saying that and go, oh well, I must not be saved. Hear that and say, oh wow, yeah, I am saved and I want to live like it more. Yeah, ab absolutely. I think that's a great point. Um, another thing that I think is helpful in that discussion is understanding that um, when you're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit is within you, it will be producing a certain kind of life, mm. a certain quality of life. So then it's not, it's not only that we look at like what we're doing, to see if our, our faith is real. We also look at what is being produced by my life. You know, is it Galatians 5, 22? The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So if, when the Holy Spirit is present in your life, those things will be happening. I think the question and the difficulty comes in to what extent should we see those things? Right. Like, when does what if you have this but not that and you know that's where it gets a little you know difficult um but i think the main idea is that the trajectory is upward in those areas so right. not that we never fail but this is the fruit we generally see right that makes sense yeah, yeah. Okay. this was uh, not what we were planning on talking about at all <laughs> no but speaking of fruit tyler has a food question i do have a question um 
your phone closed. Can you get the time back up? Because I, I think that went longer than we thought it did. Um, how much time do we have? Oh, we're not even, we got plenty of time. We're not even halfway done yet. If you're bored now, just wait. We still got 20 more minutes. Um, so Matt, I have a question for you. I And I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast. So let me, man, this is probably going to be the first of many times that I say this, but maybe we've talked about this before, but if we haven't. Um, so and let me just say, I love questions. Okay. Questions are like one of my top three favorite things in life. So even if the question is horrible, I'm still going to love it. I still have fun just because I've been asked a question. No, I think, so. I think you'll like this question. Okay. So we have, Matt and I have talked before about the differences in our eating habits. And I don't think we've talked about it on a podcast before, but we were talking about how, if Matt's going to have pizza rolls, Matt, how many pizza rolls do you have? Uh, so am I having pizza rolls for lunch? For lunch, for a lunch, lunch, a lunch pizza roll meal. Okay. And let's uh, one more time clarify how large is this pizza roll? I mean, probably, I mean, they're Totino's pizza rolls, probably like two inches, three inches long, something like that. Okay. Two or three inches long. Well, two or maybe two or three. I don't know. I'm not good with sizes. Okay. Let's say yeah. it's a, it's a, a three inch pizza roll. That's about two inches thick. Something like that. Yeah, sure. I think most of okay. the listeners will know the size of a pizza roll. And if they don't, I would encourage you to Google it. Okay. I am having three of those for lunch. And hopefully I've also got a banana or some cantaloupe. So it's not three? Yeah, three pizza. That rolls. went down from last time we talked about that. <laughs> well, you said like four to seven last time. <laughs> uh, today it's three. Okay. Uh, if I'm having pizza rolls, I'm having 22 to 27. I'm having a plateful. Um, that's my meal, but for, for, I, for lunch, for lunch. Yeah. I also don't really have anything else with it, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'll have like 22 to 27. Um, there was another one we talk, that we talked about too. Oh, if you guys, if anybody out there knows about taquitas, they're from Costco. They're like these like rolled up tortillas with just chicken and cheese and goodness inside of them. It's more like, it's more like a cigar shape, right? The taquitos, that's true. They're yeah. really long. Okay. Um, that Matt is having about two of those for a meal if he's having them let's go three maybe three, I'll go three. i'm having six every single time <laughs> um so i was thinking and i last night was my dad's birthday so we went to olive garden Ooh. og as the kids call it um and i had a question for you okay. when you're going to olive garden like yes you're gonna have other things to eat with it like you you're gonna like you've been to olive garden right i've been to olive garden okay matt has been to olive garden mm -hmm. when you go to olive garden how many breadsticks do you have over the course of your meal Two. Two. Never more, never less? Uh, no, possibly more, probably not less than two. Okay. So you might have three. Yeah. How many do you think that I had okay. last night? <laughs> did you have an entree? Yes, I had chicken shrimp carbonara. And did you have a salad? No, but I had two bowls of soup. Two bowls of soup. Chicken and, shrimp carbonara. And an entree. Yep. I cannot pronounce whatever you just said. Chicken shrimp carbonara. It's the best thing on the menu. This is my plug for Olive Garden. If you go to Olive Garden, I had a, I had a best friend that worked there. Well, I have a best friend that used to work there. Chicken shrimp carbonara is the best thing on the menu. It's got this really good sauce. It's a good kind of noodle. And there's chicken, there's shrimp, there's bacon. It's, it's so good. Okay. So you had chicken shrimp carbonara and two bowls of soup. And you want me to guess how many breadsticks you had? Yes. Okay. I'm going to guess that you would have had, if, you, if there was no one else eating with you and you didn't care, you would have had 12. <laughs> but since there were other people, <laughs> there were other people there and you didn't want to come off as a complete 
pig. Um, a complete pig and an embarrassment to everybody. You limited yourself to eight. That's so funny. Um, no, you actually were high because first of all, I was with my family. Like it was, it was my family and, and I mean my wife and they all know who I am. So I was going to eat as many as I wanted. Um, I think I had seven. I had. Okay. So I was only one off. Yeah. I had, I had five, but the, the funniest thing was that I had five before the chicken shrimp carbonara came and it was absent-minded because I got my first bowl of soup and I would just take a breadstick and I would dip and I would be eating. And I just kept doing that. And normally at Olive Garden, they don't give you enough breadsticks. So you run out, but there was just always another breadstick. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was eating and I was thinking, and I was like, wait, I've had five of these. <laughs> and then I had like two more with my meal. Oh my goodness. So I had, yeah, I had seven. So, so you were high actually. I was high. That That's hard to do. That's hard to do. I, it sounds like you eat breadsticks the way that I eat like chips and salsa pre-meal oh. at a Mexican restaurant. Oh, Acapulco. I, yeah. I eat chips and salsa just so quickly and to such a degree that I'm barely hungry for the entree once it comes. Yeah. That happens to me every time. Yeah. Every time at Olive Garden yeah. and at Acapulco too, oh but I haven't goodness. been to Acapulco in like 10 years. If anybody has an Acapulco gift card that they're not doing anything with, I would love to go back to Acapulco. I just, I haven't been there since I was like 12. I remember loving their queso. Yeah. Send it Tyler's way. And on that note. Or invite me. I'll hang out with you too, listeners. Yeah. What, what an invitation. If you, if you live in Wisconsin, at Matt's old trip, if you live in like South Dakota, if you live in like California, I'll come out for small, for some Acapulco with you. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been there. You haven't? No. Maybe they're not in Wisconsin. Is that a Mexican restaurant? Yeah. There's like three of them within 25 minutes of my parents' house. Oh, okay. At least two, maybe three. Okay. Well, I love a good Mexican restaurant. So yeah, their queso was really good when I was 12. Let's talk after the pod. <laughs> okay. Okay. About um, driving 40 minutes away to go to Acapulco. <laughs> so on that note, Tyler, um, we had a listener request this week for us to share the story of how we came to know Jesus Christ. Okay. Pause on, on, on what note? We're talking about Acapulco. On that note, let's share our testimonies. There's there's nothing better, in my opinion, there's nothing better in the entertainment business than a horrible segue. Okay. <clears throat> and, and there it was. Yeah. So, Tyler, um, we've got about 12 minutes left on the podcast. We can split that maybe six minutes, six minutes or whatever, or maybe it'll be 10 and two. I think it would be better if we have you share yours first, because okay. I feel like you can fill as much time as necessary with asking questions. Um, and I'm okay. not as talented in that. Okay. Thanks for that compliment, Tyler. We could get to the point where we, we reach time filling point. And so um, I'll go first. Okay. And then if we still have four minutes left over, I'll start asking the best questions I can think of. Oh, gosh. Okay. okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Um, so I uh, used to think that my um, in testimony. So we usually call it a testimony, right? <laughs> Share your testimony. And what we mean is talk about how you came to faith or how you came to place your faith in Jesus. Um, or how did you meet Jesus and come to know him? And I used to think my testimony was pretty boring. And, you know, when you when you hear it, when I share it, um, a lot of people probably will put it in that category, but that's okay. It's become more meaningful to me. And uh, so I grew up in church, Tyler. Um, my folks, wonderful, um, 
Christian people. And I, I went forward at a Baptist church when I was um, seven or eight years old and was baptized um, after meeting with the pastor and telling him um, I wanted to give my heart to Jesus, um, that I knew I was a sinner <clears throat> and needed Jesus forgiveness and placed my faith in him. And so I was baptized and I was seven or eight. Um, from the time I was eight till the time I was 20, uh, I was not real interested in, you know, we talked about spiritual disciplines. I wasn't interested in reading my Bible. I, I went to Awana, I went to youth group. Um, I actually, you know, this is probably not great to say on this format, but by the time I got to be a junior or senior, um, I wasn't going to many youth group functions anymore. Mm -hmm. And some of that was because I was in sports activities. Some of it was because I wasn't interested. Some of it was because I didn't know many people in the youth group because they didn't go to my school. Um, anyway, that that time of my life was, was not a, a fruitful time. Um, it was actually, it was kind of an ugly time for me because I thought I was a really good person. And I thought everybody else, you know, people that didn't go to church, they were bad people doing bad things. And I just had a view of myself that was way too high and a view of God that was way too low. I think that's the simplest way to put it. Sure. And it wasn't until I got to college that God really changed my heart. Um, I was listening uh, to someone sing the words of Isaiah 9, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And um, I was watching as some lights got lowered down from the ceiling uh, in the gym where they were singing. And it was just that simple piece of scripture that God used to change my heart. And, you know, in the way that only the Holy Spirit can, the Holy Spirit just took those words that Isaiah wrote so long ago and applied them to my heart in such a way that it opened my eyes to my own ugliness and sin. And I realized that I was the one who had been walking in darkness and I needed a great light. And I recognized that I had been an ugly person, um, ugly to other people, um, self-righteous, all those things. Um, I feel like there's hardly anything uglier than a self-righteous person. And that was me for a long time. And in those moments, God changed my heart. And so I started walking with God and actually desiring to be with God, read my Bible. Um, so if you ask me the question, like, when were you saved? I guess I would say, I really don't know. Like I was baptized when I was eight, but um, the grace of God didn't really mean much to me until I was 20. And so I really start marking my spiritual growth from that point. So I don't really know when I was saved. I just know that I am because I placed my faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I'll just add one more thing. And it's, it's the reason why I have come to regard my um, salvation story as more meaningful and not, not as boring now. Um, it's because I have come to realize that there's nothing harder in this world, at least nothing that I've encountered, have I found to be harder than the heart of a self-righteous person. Hmm. And what I saw God do in my life is shatter um, the hardness of my heart. And, and that's a miracle um, because nothing can, can shatter a heart that's that hard and that set on its own righteousness, except for 
the Holy Spirit and um, the word of God causing me to be reborn again. And so um, he gets all the glory for it. Um, he's carried me. He's carried me through. He's fanned the flame of my heart at different times when my faith has died down. I just have been uh, lukewarm and been faithful to fan that flame again and keep carrying me by his grace. And so here I, here I am today. Nice. So thanks for asking, Tyler. You've got... You went almost exactly six minutes. There you go. And so I have six minutes. <laughs> Tyler, how did you come to know Jesus Christ? Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you work at Camp Shamanah, the camp that I worked at for five years, you share your testimony a lot. Um, and you, you're like 15, so you like want to be funny. So you always start your testimony with, I was born at a very young age. <laughs> And then all this, and then all the nine-year-olds go, that's so funny. You're hilarious, Tyler. And then you keep going. So I was born at a very young age. Um, and when I was two years old, that's so funny. By the way. Thank you. Thank you. When I was two years old, my mom came into my room and I was like, I asked her about Jesus. I don't remember the exact words, but I asked her about Jesus and she explained Jesus to me and like what he did and why that was important. Um, and I said, Oh, I like that. Like, let me accept him. Um, and so at two years old, obviously, like you don't really know anything about anything. Like you have not much brain function going on, but I, at two years old, I can confidently say that I knew enough about Jesus to know that I wanted him. Hmm. So I would say that at two is when I became a Christian. Um, and I, similar to you totally thought that, um, I had like a really boring testimony. Like the first couple of years I was working at camp, I was like, like, I don't really want to share my testimony because there's like nothing mm-hmm. to it. Like, because really my life is like, if, if you think of a graph, like my graph has not been like straight up, but like for the most part, as I've grown in age, I've been blessed to grow in wisdom and knowledge of God and love for God, mm-hmm. um, which is super awesome. But when you go to a camp and you're surrounded by people who are like, I had this horrible thing happen to me. It was, ter- this thing was terrible for me. I was like, I mean, I just don't really have anything. So I didn't want to talk about it. Um, but I'm much more confident and happy to share my, my testimony now because of a guy that I talked to when I was 16. Um, maybe this will be helpful for some of you that want to talk about how you came to know Jesus, but think, eh, there's not really much to it. So I was friends with a guy when I was like 16, he was like 20. He was like my boss at camp. And I was like, his name was John. I'll call him John. Cause that was his name. Um, okay. I was like, John, I don't really want to share my testimony. I feel like it's kind of boring. And John got super, he got super excited. He got super like energetic. And he was like, Tyler testimony's not boring. I was like, kind of is. And John was like, Tyler, were you born? And I was like, well, yes, I was, I was born. And John was like, Tyler, that is like a one in like a billions chance. Like that is amazing that you were given the gift of life. Like that is not boring. I was like, all right, fine. Fair point. Um, and then he said, Tyler, did you accept Jesus? And I was like, well, yes, I did. Like I'm working at camp. I, yes, I'm following Jesus. And John was like, Tyler, that is amazing. You know what your eternal destiny is. You have a hope within you that people who don't know Jesus don't have. So the beginning of your life is a miracle. It's amazing where you're going and how you're going to spend your life. That is also a miracle. That is also amazing. So don't be ashamed of your testimony. And that was very helpful for me. I'm a lot less. Yeah. I'm not really, I, yeah, I'm not ashamed of my testimony anymore. I don't, I mean, I don't, I still, you know, I don't think that I have the craziest, most wild testimony on the planet, but mm-hmm. I'm happy with what God's done in my life. And I, 
I say full well, I know like my testimony will not always be so smooth. Right. Like even, even in the past, like six, seven years since that conversation, I've had a lot more ups and downs. I mean, with going to college, uh, graduating college, getting hired here, working here for two and a half years, like there's, there's been ups and downs and I know there are going to be people that die that I love. There are going to be things that happen that are really horrible. Um, but I have Jesus. So that stuff isn't, isn't going to be fun or enjoyable or good, but I don't know. I'm reminded sometimes of Paul in second Corinthians, either four or five, when he says that um, he considers that these present light and momentary afflictions are not worth comparing to the joy that is to come. And sometimes that sounds insensitive. Like Paul, you're calling the horrible, like you're calling somebody's like family dying. Like, like you're calling like a, a long illness. Like you're calling that light and momentary. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I think Paul knew suffering. Yeah. I mean, Paul was the, the Roman way of a, a Roman death sentence was 40 lashings. And Paul was given 39 multiple times. I mean, he was shipwrecked. Uh, he was put in prison. I mean, Paul knew suffering. And when Paul looked at all of the suffering that he experienced, he said, that's light and momentary compared to the joy that's coming. So yeah, I, that turned from my testimony into a little bit of rambling, but I became a Christian when I was two. I've been following Jesus for pretty much my whole life. Great family, great youth group, great camp, great church that I work at now. Um, and I know looking forward that I will not have a smooth, it will not be smooth sailing for my whole life, but whatever is coming, it's not worth comparing to how great things will be after I die. Yeah. Love that story, Tyler. I was really glad to hear um, that. And I can see why that's really meaningful to you. And I, when I hear that, I just think about the grace of God to do that for someone when they're two years old. Yeah. I mean, that is is unheard of it's beautiful um it shows so much care for god over your life mm -hmm. to save you from such a young age and that you can even look back now and, and see that so um god bless you brother may your cold just flee from you um, before you have to go <laughs> camping um all weekend mm -hmm. with uh several youngsters 19 kids with 19 kids yeah awesome yeah that is uh 30 minutes so we're gonna be done this week tune in well will it be next week than anything we will be doing something very special next week yeah you may hear about it next week you may hear about it in two weeks but just right. stay tuned cliffhanger something yeah. very special is coming stay tuned thanks tyler see you guys have a good one